Welcome to the Leanne Hart Podcast. Leanne is a mighty servant to God who wears many hats. She is a wife to J.W. Hart, the Iron Man of professional bull riding, a loving mother, and a bucking bull stock contractor alongside of her husband at Hart Cattle Company. But that's not all. She's an inspirational speaker, pastor, singer, songwriter, worship leader, and a beautiful sister in Christ. After the podcast is over, make sure you give it a like and a share, and please subscribe and review this podcast. Without further ado, I introduce you to your host, a true Holy Spirit hustler, a lovely and passionate woman, Miss Leanne Hart. Hey everybody, this is Leanne Hart with Leanne Hart Ministries, and what an awesome day so far it has been for myself and my girlfriend who I'm sitting right across from, actually at the Cowboy Channel studio because we we needed some space, but Shay uh-huh. Fisher Durfee, if you don't know who she is, there's so many titles that uh, she wears, so many hats that she wears, but most of all, she is such a, a beautiful soul, fearfully and wonderfully made that she is, but she is a a wife to basically a rodeo legend, but you also come from a family that has a huge history in rodeo uh, from a completely different country, and you've got this amazing story that has led you all the way to where you are. You are a beautiful mom. You're an inspiration in the business world, for especially for Western culture and in that Western way of life. You're paving the way. You're making a way. You're like, listen, I've been let down, but I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to continue to to encourage others to, to level up. And I, I've just enjoyed this day so far so much, maybe because I'm like free of all the little children that I have, which we both are. We had a big girl conversation at, at lunch earlier, which was so much fun. But I just... Uh, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We um, This is our second attempt. We tried to do this um, before Christmas, and we had a little uh, devil technical difficulties, I call it, but we're, I'm just pumped to be here. Um, we did. Super excited. I love following all you do um, on social media, on your Instagram and your podcast, and um, it's actually really neat seeing um, people I didn't even know were familiar with you sharing your posts and tagging me in it. And I'm like, oh, I know her. She's great. I'm doing a <laughs> podcast with her. So um, I'm honored to be here. So thank you for having me. You know, as we just sit here and we've we've already been talking about so many awesome things this morning, just fun things. And uh, we've taken ourselves back a little bit in mm-hmm. our raising and kind of where we are in the present and looking forward to the future. <sighs> tell, tell, tell those that are listening a little bit about you because... You didn't start out over here. No. And if the accent, well, the accent's kind of confused. I've been here a little little too long now that it's half American, half Australian. It doesn't know where it's from. Well, people don't um, know where I'm from either. Because I'm okay. from South Louisiana, uh-huh. but I sound like this, you know, country bumpkin. You can see they just look at you when you talk like, where are you from? Right. Um, so I originally grew up in Australia. Um, my dad is a Australian champion bull rider and bareback rider. And my mom is an Australian champion bow racer. So I grew up in the Western culture, Western way of life. Um, I, we lived on the road for the first, first four years of my life. We just lived in a horse trailer. Um, and then at five, we got a home, I guess you would say. And um, it was myself, my brother, and younger sister. Um, my brother was, well, he's two years older than me, and my little sister was four years younger. So uh, my parents have 
we had an amazing childhood. There was um, times I know my parents struggled, but we never missed out on anything. My parents made sure that we always um, were well taken care of and had what we needed. Um, definitely didn't let us see where we were at at times financially. Um, I look back now and I see it and I'm just like so grateful for my parents. <laughs> well, we were eating lunch a minute ago. I know. We were like... I just eat fast because this is kind of how I was raised. And it made me think of something like I remember at the end of every rodeo night, high school rodeo, mm-hmm. and daddy would say, go go get some hot dogs at the sand. They were like 25 cents. Uh-huh. You just rack up with 12 hot dogs. You just yeah. run back to the truck with your dinner for the night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world of rodeo right. kids. Um, so, and then with regards to my little sister. So, um, I was four when she was born and she had a very rare genetic disorder and there was five in the world when she was born. So her brain, I don't know the exact age, but her brain developed probably to a two month old. Mm. So um, she was, my parents were told she would live till two and the oldest living at the time was five and she lived till 18. Wow. So it shows what um, love and care can do. Absolutely. Um, but just, you know, bragging my parents, you know, I watched them raise a baby for 18 years mm-hmm. and Honestly, they didn't have a date night for 18 years or anything Gosh. like that. So um, we still traveled the world, and we were still able to um, do so many things, and they didn't let that stop them. She came everywhere with us, and my dad rode bulls in the PBR. Um, she would come to the PBR bull ridings with us. But So we lived lived in Australia. Moved Just to, to balance all yeah. that. Wow. I know. Moved to the States. They packed up and moved our whole family to the States when I was nine, and we lived here for two years. Dad rode bulls in the PBR. And um, that's kind of, I guess, what set up my future. That's kind of where I um, heard country music for the first time and got a, you know, a deeper love for rodeo and the entertainment world mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, rem- I remember watching um, Pam Mimic on, you know, with her microphone yeah. interviewing the Cowboys. And I was like, I'm going to do that one day. My and, kids are now like Haley Kinsel uh-huh. all the time. Yeah. Like they're they're constantly they have their and I remember being I was Pam. You know, you yeah. could hold the microphone. And that's uh-huh. what you're doing. Yeah, no. So I would practice that as a kid. So America was definitely a big part of what got me to where I am today. Um, even though we were only here for two years, we moved back to Australia when I was um eleven or twelve because it was the the year of the two thousand when the world was gonna shut down mm. and the <laughs> clocks were gonna tick well, over really and no relative. more. <laughs> Everyone had to kind of go back to where they came from in case the world <laughs> shut down. Right. Um, but I, I was just very blessed with my upbringing. I grew up in a Christian family. Um, no family's perfect, but I'm just so grateful for how I was raised and the sacrifices my parents made for us. I, long story short, um, signed my first recording contract at 16 in Australia. And the ironic thing is no one in my family sings. I, I was about to ask. didn't know how to play the guitar. Like, I just... I don't even know. I mean, that was definitely a God thing because I don't even know how that came about. I literally was just singing the national anthem at rodeos. And um, (laughs) my parents always taught me that it's very important to um, dream big Mm -hmm. and it's okay to fail. And if you don't try, you're not going to ever know. So I was at a rodeo and there was a big tour bus there of a famous country music singer. So I went up to his tour bus store and I I, well had asked dad, I said, I want to sing like his (laughs) opening act. And my dad's like, well... Go knock on his tour bus door. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> so I literally walked behind a little security fence and knocked on his tour bus Listen, door. Listen, when daddy says something, you have confidence. You, oh. you automatically have a backbone. Oh, and I wasn't going to get grounded. So right. I'm like, yes, I can do this. Let's do it. <laughs> so I knocked on that tour bus door and his band members came to the door and um, 
I wish I, people I, could see the smile on my face right now. I love watching you mm-hmm. tell this story. <laughs> well, and I remember like name dropping my dad's name because he was this country music singer new rodeo so much I was assuming he knew my dad I was hoping he did so he actually ended up coming to the door and visiting with me and I told him about who I was and I asked if I could sing before him on stage and he said well do you have a band I said no I have karaoke tracks because I always would carry karaoke tracks in our truck because I just like to sing along to them um so I look back now and he literally put me on stage probably two hours before he saw oh my god so there was like two people in the audience in case I was really (laughs) bad he was just making sure and he had didn't have the heart to tell this I I was maybe 14 or maybe 14 14 year old girl no um (laughs) he was on the same rodeos we were on he was doing a, a tour as well so I happened to be his opening act and each rodeo I'd get a little bit close to when he would perform and a few more people would mm-hmm. see me sing and um, at the end of that three weeks he actually asked my parents if I would go on his Australian tour with him. Wow. Which was just so random because yes. I wasn't, I mean I was singing to like backing tracks and I knew nothing and um, him and I wrote my very first album together on the road and it was, you know, I look back now and you know, I I was 14 or 15 and you know, my parents had my sister so they either couldn't come with us or just one could come. Um, but God definitely, like, always had me under his wing. You know, being well, on the, the road. so different now. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. JW was talking about that the other day and traveling down, you know, south of the border mm-hmm. to rodeo and the different things and ride bulls. And, yeah. and I could not imagine the age that he was being... 16 or younger going south now and Mm -hmm. I couldn't I would I would choke him out if he tried to send Wacy down there I I could not imagine it but that's just where we lived and that's what we did and Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's so much as we just had faith that we had more confidence in who we were yeah and I agree I think the world was a different place then because you know it just seems like yesterday but if you look back at how much stuff has changed in the last decade or two it's changed a lot because I mean, a 14-year-old girl out in the road with a bunch of guys. I mean, I always felt safe. It was, you know, that yes. I was never in a predicament that I felt uncomfortable in. But yeah. um, so we wrote my first album together. At 16, I signed a recording contract with a major record label, which um, Australia is very different to the U.S. They don't have very many major record labels. Mm-hmm. There's like one or two. And yeah. just the major acts get signed there. So that was a God thing, too. I really, at 16, I shouldn't have been signed to a major record label um yet I was and we were you know my manager which was the gentleman that helped me um on his Australian tour he he just always had me out in nice buses and big stages and even if people didn't know who I was they seen the big bus and the big stage and it was all perception so um I was very blessed to, to be um under his wing because you know one thing led to another it was my very first song um went to number one in Australia because there was just nothing there was no 16-year-olds. And it was kind of that Taylor Swift era. Yeah. So there was a need in the market for it. So, yes. I mean, I went from this, like, literally my choices were like, do I want to go to a rodeo or do I want to perform at a concert? And I just <laughs> loved rodeo. I mean, I was winning. I was doing good. So it was like thinking back now, like, why was that even a hard choice? But yes. it was. It was like, do I go sing or rodeo? So yeah. I chose singing um, and had a couple of number one songs with my first album and then I literally was at a rodeo and got an international phone call on my phone and it was a guy by the name of James Stroud who created DreamWorks and all those major recording labels and he called me and he's like, I heard your music 
And will you fly to America next week and talk to me about signing a record deal? And I'm like, do what? <laughs> like I always had on my door. I think it's important for young kids too. Like always had my goals, like right. ones that were way out of reach too. Like literally on my door, it said like American record deal. Wow. Number one songs, like whatever it was, I had that list of goals. Marry a, mm-hmm. probably, probably said marry a world champion cowboy for all I know. <laughs> I don't even remember, but it's funny. If you put those lists there yes. and like, I would, even at 14, 15, I'd pray about that list. Mm-hmm. Like they're just so far-fetched when you're doing it. And then you see it come to pass and you're like, how on earth was that possible? Mm-hmm. Like, like his word never returns void. Yeah, it was just so crazy that literally, like, I was the last person in Australia that should have got a recording contract mm-hmm. um, because I had the least amount of knowledge of the music industry, yet it happened. And so literally flew over, signed a recording contract a week later in the U.S., um, and it was a very large recording contract. Um, they don't offer recording contracts like they did back then. Mm-hmm. They flew my entire band over from Australia we had our own house. We had a two of us. We um, did a radio tour for three months um, all around the U.S. It was just like a whirlwind at the time. I think by this time I was 20. So I turned 21 on radio tour. Um, what would you say the life lesson would have been during that period of your life um, that you've carried mm-hmm. with you to date? Well, there's a lot of things in that stage. I mean, a couple things is I took a lot for granted mm-hmm. because I felt like the rug could never get pulled out from under my feet. And I was just like, you know, I was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. But I think when you get that mindset of being unstoppable, I mean, God can stop anything if it's going in the wrong direction. Oh, it's good. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say it was going to go in the wrong direction, but like the end to this story is we released my single, which I'll come back to talk about that topic that you're saying, but we released that my uh, first single and, it was one of the number one added songs on country radio for any new artist for like three weeks, which was huge. So, I mean, it was destined to be successful right. to a big extent here. Um, and then literally the record label shut down a week later. Um, the finances, oh something happened with the guy with the finances. He was, Ronnie Gillies was thrown in jail for fraud. And it was <laughs> just, a, it was a lot. Like stuff you just would never see happening. But Behind the scenes. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, you, you talk go, about perception. Uh-huh, you go from... <laughs> Literally, uh, I don't look at myself as somebody who's big-headed or thinks I'm good. But at that point in my life, when you're 21 years old Mm -hmm. and you've signed one of the biggest record deals that they're giving out at the time when they told you you will be competition to Taylor Swift, when you anything you want, you have. You you know, you just, you got, you have to keep level-headed. And I look at it now and I wonder, like, if that hadn't happened, what type of person I would be now? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're going to red carpet events. You're having dinner with Taylor Swift and meeting Keith Urban and all these people. It's just not yeah. a normal life for a um, young adult, I, I guess I would say. And you see, you know, I look now and I see a lot of the celebrities. And Was just, it hard for you to feel like you uh, – I know one thing that um, – my grandpa always used to say mm-hmm. was, do not conform to the patterns of the world. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing I would keep with me whenever, because I worked at Dollywood when I was 18, mm-hmm. and um, I was not liked by a lot of the people there just because I was so young, and yeah. I was gifted with, I couldn't dance, but I could sing, yeah, yeah. you know, and and 
all of the, and it was like this stretch. Like you felt like, I felt like I went there knowing who I was. Mm -hmm. And then all, maybe some of the voices from the outside were trying to make me something different. Mm -hmm. When I would take a step back, it was almost like a pulse. Uh I would take that step back. My grandparents would speak life into me or my dad or my mom and remind me of the gift that I'd been given. Mm -hmm. And just, it was like a constant, like, I'm, uh-huh. you're being poured into this vase yeah. that is like molding you into something that you're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be this. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly like that. Yeah. And I truly believe like, you know, I was, God protected me and guided me. And, um, you know, I, I, I can honestly say I made good choices mm-hmm. where good choices necessarily weren't getting made by the people around me. Mm-hmm. I just knew that from the way my parents had raised me, I still had the Holy Spirit talking to me. Yeah. No, don't go to that party or don't do what they're doing or don't be around these people. Like I still in amongst the whirlwind and the feeling like, you know, I was the end all. I still, it's funny because what your parents teach you at a young age stays with you. And I do believe that because I still had the Holy Spirit telling me like, don't do this, do do that. And Mm -hmm. I still, you know, stayed strong to my Christian values, but I do look at it now and think, well, if I had stayed in that world for another five years to the extent of success it was looking like it could be, you know, A, I mean, I wouldn't have my life I have now. Um, I don't necessarily believe that God shut that door, but he's definitely used the closing of that door for better things. That's so good. Um, for, you know, me being out, me even being in the States, allowing mm-hmm. me to meet Tyson and to create the businesses we have here and the family I have now and the life we have. Um, yeah you know, more than I could have ever dreamed of, um, different to what I dreamed of. Um, but just such a fulfilled, great life that we have now. Um, I don't feel like just because one door closes, another can't open. So I definitely feel like the doors are still there to be opened, um, with my music and my passions Mm -hmm. in the entertainment industry. But I think it's made me take a step back. And when the doors open to that extent, again, I will be more prepared, and I will probably self-check more. Right. Well, and so. I think that that's such a beautiful picture. So you you meet Tyson. I know, and it was so <laughs> random. I know. It was – so I was actually – I was at Houston Rodeo doing some um, modeling for Cruel Girl, mm-hmm. and how I got into working with Cruel Girl is when I lost that record deal, I was like, well, now what? Like, do I go <laughs> home to Australia, or do I stay here and try and find something else and pursue? So I – had got some work with um, through um, Lorinda yes. um, from Gypsy Soul, modeling yes. with their companies, which led into Cruel Girl modeling. Um, so it kind of gave me something, A, a little bit of an income still, as well as just keeping me not just bored and not having anything to do. Right. I mean, when I was in Nashville, I was definitely songwriting and working and you know, focusing on my music career. But um, being able to come to Texas for photo shoots was just like... Did you have that connection because of your parents also? Was the rodeo there- thing? Well... Yeah, I'm trying to think how I even met um, Lorinda and them. I don't even, you know, I don't even remember how I met. Actually, I met her at an award show. I think they were doing some Gypsy Soul flip flop mm-hmm. giveaways. That's how yeah. I met them. Um, but I knew a lot of the rodeo contacts in Texas from when Dad rode bulls. Yes, we had a lot of con- um, contacts there, or people that had come to Australia running clinics that I I just knew. Um, but when I flew to Texas for Cruel Girl, I was at Houston Rodeo with another group of friends. So I was down in the hospitality area and. Tyson's story is way more entertaining than how I tell it because it takes like 20 minutes and he says all this like ridiculously romantic stuff about wind in the hair and he knew love at first sight. I'm like, well, babe, I didn't. But I, I mean, I remember 
Like, I remember meeting him. He was just, like, so nice. And I knew his name. I mean, he had made the finals so many times, but it's not like I was – there was no love interest there. Mm-hmm. I, I did know that he won the rodeo that night, so I paid attention. But um, – That is hilarious. Now, that that's kind of similar uh-huh. to JW and myself. Like – I knew him prior to us dating, mm-hmm. and I didn't really, like, he was a butt. Like, yeah. I mean, I was just like, mm, you know, and then yeah. it was like something switched uh-huh. at some point, and I was like, you just know, and yeah. it became funny to us because I'm like, wow, like, one moment we're eating crawfish uh-huh. and having a, a crawfish-eating contest yeah. against each yeah. other, like, yeah. you're not going to beat yeah. me. <laughs> and then exactly. you're lovers. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, now we're in love. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Poor Tyson, I was... I was kind of still at that stage of like hanging around these famous people and thinking I was really cool and um and I just wasn't at a place I wanted a boyfriend at the time or like not a nice guy. I mean Tyson was like a nice guy. Yeah. So he literally messaged me for 7 8 months on Facebook and like we would message back this and forth. This tickles me so much. This part of the story is like I'm so glad we're sitting here today because I love how he pursued you. I love how <laughs> he, he pursued was so. You. Oh my gosh, we messaged back and forth for seven months, and like I'd answer every question but the bottom one about going to dinner or my phone number. I wouldn't give him either of those. <laughs> Yet, eight months later, when I needed tickets to, um, I think it was like the Dodge National Circuit Finals, I needed tickets for my parents and. I'm like, I know somebody that made it there. So then I finally am like, hey, here's my number. Call me. So when Tyson calls me, I'm like, can I get three tickets to the rodeo tomorrow night? And um, there's more to the story, which is pretty interesting. It's like credits to Tyson. Well, I guess at the time he had a girlfriend um, and she was there at the rodeo with him. But he's very like, he he won't lead you on. So he literally, and they had just, just started dating. And he literally just said, Dory said, look. I know it's not going to work out with us. I'm, I'm going to have to fly you home tomorrow. I think that was the extent it went to. But, I mean, he just said that, like, their religious views. And it just wasn't – they weren't going to get married in the end. He knew that. Yes. Um, and he said he didn't want to be playing two people or any of that. And I didn't know any of this. So like, I pray that for people today. Like, I know. How awesome is that that he could actually be so honest and set a a, a – a standard uh-huh. there and I put a barrier down and say, I'm not going to cross this. I yeah. respect you this night. Yeah. You know, not that was he disrespecting you. We respected both. Yeah. And that's integrity. I know. And that's what I tell him. I'm like, I, I really, it makes me think even more highly of him because like people don't do that. You would just right. probably play the field still just to not chance losing one or the other. Cause I wasn't interested and he knew <laughs> that. Like he asked me to go to dinner and I said, we'll do breakfast. Cause mm-hmm. it was like less romantic, I guess you could say. <laughs> Um, there's no chance they're going to ask you to go to the movies after it. So it's like breakfast and then good luck at the rodeo. Yeah. But, uh, after that we kept in touch. Tyson flew into Nashville and seen me one weekend. He was a hopeless romantic. He literally flew in. I don't think he understood you could buy flowers at the airport when he got there. Cause he flew with them in his suitcase in a box with like this like watery thing around it. Like he had this, I'm like, you literally could have bought these at the airport. But anyway. And the, he just was a hopeless romantic. Well, not a hopeless, a good romantic, I guess, because yeah. he flew halfway across right. the country with flowers for me. Um, after that point of him being a Nashville, like, I truly knew that he was a marrying type. Um, again, I wasn't ready to commit. I just wasn't. I had dated the wrong people and wasn't used to a nice guy. Right. And I know that's the type that you marry, and I always try and tell young girls that, like, you want to marry your best friend and a guy that treats you right. Like, why would you want to marry a guy that treats you bad and be with them the rest of your life? Right. So, um, 
I made a phone call to my mum. I think it was probably like October or November that year. And I said, I'm just so lonely. Like I need somebody. And my mum was always a big fan of Tyson. She's like, well, what about that Tyson Durfee guy? I'm like, mom, he's so nice. She's like, just give it a shot. So I was like, okay. Well, I was like, you know what? He's going to have to ask my dad if he can date me. Not marry me, date me. So I made him wait till the NFR that year to ask my dad if he could date me for it to be actually official. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that if you have the parents liking the boyfriend, it goes a long way. So I set him up for success. People are listening to this. No, this it's is good. True. It's so true. And then a year later at the NFI, he asked Dad if he could marry me, and, and then we were engaged. So, I mean, really, we dated a year, got engaged, planned a wedding. So, I feel like when you know, you know. And one bit of advice I always give young girls is that it shouldn't be hard dating. Like, if it's hard Sorry. dating and it's complicated and dramatic and fighting and all that dating, it's just going to get way worse when you're married. Oh, like yeah. if it's it, if it's like that and you're having to like fight like nothing else dating like that might be a red flag to me. I would I would tell people because it shouldn't be like that. Right. I mean, I know marriage is hard and people go through struggles, but I mean, that's marriage. It shouldn't be like that dating. So I always just tell girls like, look, sometimes that's a red flag. So if it's hard dating, maybe you should find somebody that you can actually get along with prior to living and creating a life with them. You know, my 12-year-old uh, a few weeks ago had a little a little boy that wanted to be, <laughs> you know, the boyfriend, and, and apparently she had said yes, and I was like, wait, when did we talk about this, mm-hmm. you know? And and so I really kind of was mind-boggling me mm-hmm. that we didn't have a conversation, and she didn't think it was that big of a deal, and I was like, so a girlfriend of mine sent magnet Legos for uh-huh. Christmas, so I said, well, let me just show you a picture. So let me paint a picture for you of what you look like when you start adding all these other pieces to your puzzle uh-huh. before you're ready for it. Yeah. And so I was like, you have your magnet here. And then I started connecting all the responsibilities. She had yeah. family, chores, school. <laughs> and it was just like 10 magnets, you know? Yeah. And I said, and then you add this other little boy that brings in all his magnets. And I mean, the whole table was becoming. Yeah, it was She's cool. looking, she goes, I get it. Never mind. I'm not ready. And I was like, okay, good talk. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, come come the next time that she saw him, she said, I said, well, did you have a conversation? She goes, yep. I said, okay, and? She goes, oh, yeah, it's good. We're done. I was like, we're done? Like, there was really a thing there? Like, and it was so cute, but I'm, you know, I've never had a 12-year-old before, so yeah. I'm talking to her, but like, it's the first time, and she's telling me this, and I'm like... I'm going to have to remember that picture for future yeah. moments. You know, That's you great. That. I'm going to like put that in my like backup calendar because <laughs> yes. having two daughters, for those that don't know, I have a four-year-old Praise Royal and a two-year-old Risen Breeze. And, I love their names. Um, Where did they come from? You have to tell. Well, we knew they were boys. They were both boys for sure. <laughs> they had boy wardrobes. They had boy painted rooms. We didn't find out the gender. So I don't know why we knew they were boys. But we just felt like the <laughs> Lord had just... We just knew. So, uh, yeah, don't do that unless you're, yeah, you just probably want to be a little bit more organized than I was. But um, we, about two weeks before Praise was born, we were driving to church and Tyson just said the name. He's like, praise the Lord. We should name her Praise. Like, he literally just came up with her name, which was crazy because I've never heard it. And I wanted to spell it kind of like a weird way. And he's like, no, why would you just, why would you wreck it? Just I felt like, praise the Lord. So, um, and then after naming her that, we're like, man, we have to, like, we have a lot to live up Level to for up the here. second child. Um, and then, you know, Jesus is risen, so we named her Risen. Um, 
when so it was either going to be Risen or Breeze. We didn't know. And we didn't decide till at the hospital. I had a blanket with both names on it. And then we decided when she was born. Wow. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we they're very interesting names. Um, <laughs> but they're I like it. I think it's different. And it's well, cool. Well, it says a lot about them already. Uh-huh. And we haven't even gotten to see, yeah. you know, just as they grow older. And I think about the way that we name our cattle and our calves and all the fun things. And there was this little calf the other day that was I was feeding and. He was so eager, and he kept mm-hmm. coming by me, and like every other calf was afraid, but he mm-hmm. was like so eager, and he would just kind of creep up there. And I got to thinking, I was like, you know, if we waited to name our kids like we do our cattle, who knows what they would say? Like, I mean, <laughs> I know that that's biblical and, and back in the day, yeah. but I'm like, some of the names, I'm like, whoa, that's why God was yeah. like, we're going to change your name, and you're not just kidding, no, but I'm just yeah. like, wow. God wants us to name our kids before they're born, I think now, because, uh, I, you know, the first month, if they're having a rough month, you might name them praise, like praise the Lord. It yes. might be something completely different. Like, yes. ah, it so, might be help. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, it's really fun raising two girls. Um, I do feel like one of my children are destined for, um, the entertainment industry. And part of me feels like the Lord has allowed me to see that world so that I can guide them, mm-hmm. um, in their steps there, because that whole industry definitely can make or break somebody, right. you know, their future and who they are as a person. So I do feel like I've seen the ins and outs of it, that if, if any of our children choose to go that route, that hopefully, um, I can guide them and they'll listen to us. Mm. So, as not only a wife mm-hmm. and, you know, a recording artist, uh, success there, as a mom as well, mm-hmm. um, your faith is inspirational because you sound so grounded. And, and I've, the conversations that you and I have had, mm-hmm. they're very grounded in yeah. your faith and you're, you're extremely confident about that in, in, in that area of your life. Yeah. And so, if you were to just looking at the world around us right now to be able to pour something into the hearts of those ears that are listening mm-hmm. today and, and whenever they hear this podcast because there will be many that are, are listening and they are listening for a word of encouragement um how would you encourage them to continue to stand i mean i just think in the world we live in today i mean you just can't let distractions take a hold. Um, you just have to focus on the promises that God's given you and the dreams and the desires you have in your heart and whatever is happening around you, let it happen. Yeah. Because if you get so caught up in the world and everything that's going on, um, we would all be sitting on the couch probably crying right about now. Well, I would be. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just think that it's important to live and to to still reach for your dreams and goals that God's given you because I know that um, especially in today's time, like God needs people like us out there um, being seen for his kingdom and chasing those dreams and goals because it is a it is a crazy world and it is a world of um, uh, uncertainty. So I think that we just have to keep doing what we're doing. It's like even now, um, ideally being a mom of two kids and um, having been out of the music industry for a couple of years, it's probably not like the time somebody would choose to step back into the industry. And I kind of struggled there for a while of, um, I love being a mom and anything I do, I want to be the best at. So for me to juggle too many things at once, I struggled with, I felt like I would be letting down my family or my husband and things like that. So I kind of stepped away from my dreams and my goals that I knew God had given me, um, which I don't think that was wrong for the time I did it because I knew my kids and husband and family needed me. 
But I do definitely think that um, God wants me back out there pursuing the things that and the talents he's given me. Mm -hmm. So like I released a new song last year and I'm releasing another one here shortly this year. Um, To me, it's important as a mother and a wife and a woman to show that you can still achieve your dreams even though they mightn't look like somebody else's. Mm -hmm. I mightn't be 22. um, I mightn't be living in Nashville yet. I know I can still be successful doing what I want to do. But I think that's only through the Lord that you get there Um, because, you know, without his help and him opening up the doors and putting that dream and desire back in my heart and and in Tyson's heart, you know, because, you know, have to have a supportive husband to do that stuff because it's a sacrifice between him rodeoing and me singing running our businesses, we definitely have to um, be supportive for each other. Yes. Um, so I'm very blessed that it's a two-way street there that we both want to see each other succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have started to be okay with letting other people help me do things. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I'm, I like to do stuff myself. Right. I feel like I get it done a certain way. I'm good at it. I don't need help. But um, <laughs> the Lord allowed me to let people help me, to let people help with the children during the day some, yeah. so I can focus on this, the stuff he's given me to focus on. Um, sometimes as a woman, you feel like you're not doing a good enough job if somebody else is doing it for you. But I don't think that's the case. I think that um, everything's a balance and um, it's okay to have help and yeah. know that you can't do it alone. It's the same as your Christian walk. I mean, if you're going to try and follow God and do it by your own self and strength, it's not going to happen. You have right. to have the people around you to help you keep you lifted and moving forward. So I feel like it's the same in life as it is with, um, you know, those that are, you know, following the Lord and, and trying to get stronger in their Christian walk. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just listening to what you were saying, it just made me think of um, hope and just in general, like that mm-hmm. hope that we have. And sometimes we do paint a picture for ourselves and we become so limited whenever we we paint the picture and we mm-hmm. we get so disappointed when it doesn't happen mm-hmm. that way. And just like with you in, in the music industry and you're saying it didn't happen then, but it doesn't mean that it still can't happen. And it may not look like it would have been, but it still can be successful. Mm-hmm. It still can be. And, and who knows who you're going to be in contact mm-hmm. with and the, the healthiness and just in your voice and in yeah. your attitude that you're going to add to maybe an unhealthy situation where yeah. they can see a different perspective mm-hmm. and they might ask why yeah. or how you have that knowing everything you've been through within that industry mm-hmm. women same thing for me I don't have you know I've never given birth naturally yeah but I've adopted and so mm-hmm. the picture that I painted of what it looked like to be a mom God was like well it's actually going to be different but I'm still going to fulfill that desire yeah. because God doesn't give us a barren desire no and he uses that like he used people you know even in your situation like there's, it takes a special person to adopt children to do what you've done. And he used you and that situation of maybe not being able to have your own to then bless these children and these right. other families. Like they, would, they wouldn't be where they're at. And all these little families and lives you're changing is just generational. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes one person to change a generation to come. And that's what you're doing with, with all your kids. And I think that's why Tyson and I are so focused on, you know, teaching our children right too because it's generations we're teaching into and even like in the public eye you know Tyson he's very motivating the different stuff we're just very careful of what we um put out there and the messages that we preach because it takes one person to see it too 
and you're influencing lives and you can also bring negativity into lives. Mm -hmm. So um, we were just talking at lunch before we did the podcast and, um, you know, even social media comments you get and stuff like you just have to, even us who are in the public eye and hear them daily, I can just imagine, um, I even had someone the other day, it was really (laughs) funny say to me about, like, I didn't ever think I had bad teeth, but somebody <laughs> commented and said, "You, I, me and Tyson came from very humble beginnings. We're very blessed now, but came from very humble beginnings. But they basically said, well, you show us all the stuff you have, but why don't you get your, te- your teeth fixed? And I just had to <laughs> laugh. And I was like, but it made me sit there and think, you know what? There's like young girls mm-hmm. who people like hide behind their computers and yes. say that type of stuff. And it truly affects them for yes. years to come yes and I mean for me I could laugh because I was like oh whatever I don't even care I don't don't even know what you're talking about but I don't care but at 15 right. if somebody had to said that to me mm-hmm. on social media I would have thought I wouldn't have wanted to smile I would have thought about right. it for forever right. like so I just I've been trying to say stuff to you on social media that like you'll be careful what you say to people whether it's through social media or just face to face because like and if you're wrong, words, just say it. Just say you're sorry. Like, me and Tyson talk about the things mm-hmm. that somebody might have said to you at a young age. Like, you actually remember some specific things that have been said to you. Yes. So I think, like, it's so important that we put out positivity into other people's lives because mm-hmm. you don't know what one word you say can can make or break somebody. Right. And, well, and JW comes from an old school mentality. Like, mm-hmm. his, he was in a rough upbringing, yeah. you know. And, and I came from a very different mentality probably like Tyson me compared to y'all too yeah Yeah. and so like for me like it was really like I was raised in a family that was we were big we had family gatherings it was Mm -hmm. the town gatherings you know and for JW it was different they were always working they were always on the go I mean JW said when you meet my parents you're gonna meet the hillbilly Osbournes and Uh I was like I don't even know what that means but (laughs) okay I did later on yeah and I I just it was a different but you could feel the love Mm -hmm. it wasn't the same and Sometimes we hold people to these standards when they weren't raised the way that we were. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we can't continue to grow in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And if we're not hung up on the little details yeah. that really don't matter. And yeah. they, they are the distractions you're talking about. That yeah. you're saying, you kind of got to let the distractions go. Yeah. So that you can continue to move your feet. Like if you have a goal, if you have a purpose, mm-hmm. if you have something you're like, I'm diving back into this mm-hmm. record deal thing and this music industry. Yeah. I could let what happened destroy me. But I know that God did this. Like, he would have never made a way then for yeah. me not to make a way back now yeah. in a different way. You're wiser. You have all this knowledge about yeah. this. And you're going to gift so many people because of that. Tyson by your side, this yeah. guy who was always motivating. Mm-hmm. He's always pouring out on social media. Silly. He's got mm-hmm. a humor about him that yeah. you, you just get tickled with. You know? Most of the time, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, just stop. <laughs> Too much. Too no, much. he's... He's great. And really, um, it, it's, I think it's super important who you surround yourself with, whether it's friends, family, who it is like, it's important to surround yourself with people that are uplifting and positive yeah. because, um, you know, the people you're around mm-hmm. can change your future truly. Yeah. And it's funny because being around the cowboy, cowboy culture, like we are, it's a different cult. It's a, it's the same culture. Um, but maybe not so much in the pen as it is for us in the pasture. Yeah. And so being the only girl, a lot of times out in the pasture, yeah. it can be a little bit rough yeah. being out there. And it doesn't ever bother me because if you're not going to be shy about yeah. the F word, then I'm not going to be shy about my F word, which is faith. Yeah. And yeah, so like, exactly. I'm good with that. Like I'm like, and, yeah. and there is no condemnation. 
salvation in Jesus. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, how can people know to be different if they ever, don't ever see it? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's like trying to make your kids do something they mm-hmm. don't want to do. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, we have to be a doer of what yeah. our faith says. Yeah. It's not and just living, in your, living you know, by example, I think, exactly. is really important too. You know, I look at um, my brother. He's uh, in the military and, um, you know, he's lived a life of, you know, who knows what over the years. Mm. Um, he's full of tattoos and he's just a great guy on fire for God now. But, you know, definitely... Um, at one point wasn't there, but I look at him now, the people that he can reach yeah, and not the people that I can reach or Tyson can reach. That's like right. God is going to use him to reach the people that have the tattoos, have lived that life he's lived. So I feel like, you know, we all have different people that mm-hmm. we're, we're able to reach. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank you for making the call so that we could get a little room here <laughs> and have some quiet time and just enjoy dinner and lunch and, all the things and just sit and just conversate about life in uh-huh. the middle of where I honestly feel like right now it's so good to hear something good. I know it's, it takes the, it distracts you from the world we're in. That's and right. you know what? It was even better. I had no diaper bag today. <laughs> I, I don't even, I like, I'm like, where are my handbags even kept? I literally just turned up with a wallet because I don't even know why I have handbags I, I, anymore. I'm the same way. I'm like, I just brought my wallet in. I had the big bag in the truck and I was like, I'll just, I'm going to leave you. I'm leaving you, it's friend. It's so I'll be weird. So <laughs> weird. But but we, um, I know that you have tons of people that listen to your podcast and follow and we're just, I mean, I'm speaking for everybody, but we're just so grateful for um the positive influence you're putting out there and we just love hearing your podcast. And so when you, when we got together and you mentioned not being on the um, podcast, I'm honored and I can't wait to um, get to know some of your followers as well. Well, so. I'm excited because we, we're going to do this again, but I want to have Tyson with you. Oh gosh. We should have like, have him tell the story of like how to... we met. Oh my gosh. The <laughs> whole podcast wait. will be done. It'll be 40 minutes long. It's like the gospels. There was four. There's got to be the different <sighs> perspectives. It's what oh makes it exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking he remembers stuff a little different to me. He was love at first sight, he says. So how can everyone get hooked up with you on social media and uh, through your music and everything? Yeah, so um, Tyson and I are big on social media, so you'll find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I have TikTok, but my TikToks, <laughs> don't even have to say it. My TikTok's not like a lot of people. Mine's like PG, so if, yeah, um, if you have a kid, they can probably follow me because I'm PG rated on TikTok. <laughs> um and then um, we have, I have a website too, shayfisher.com, but I'm very active. So if you're on any of our um, business websites or personal um, Instagrams, you'll see all of our stuff. Okay. My next single um, will be out um, here in just a month or two, mm-hmm. um, which is really... You already have one out. On, I do. The, uh-huh. From the well, new album. And right? on, on iTunes, right. all of my, I release all of my singles from Australia as well here. Okay. So there's a bunch of music, music on iTunes for those that kind of want to see what I sounded like 10 years ago and then compare it to now. But the new music video, when it comes out, um, my kids and Tyson got to be in it. Awesome. So it is so fun, but yeah, we'd love y'all to follow us. Um, send us a message. Let us know that you listen to this podcast and, um, yeah, it'd be fun. We'll do lots of giveaways and give you some free stuff too. So they are willing to get personal. So get personal. It's real. We don't have a filter. So if you if you don't <laughs> yeah. like it, you probably shouldn't follow us. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank and you for having me. Thank you guys for listening. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you have any questions about the podcast or questions for Leanne, 
please check out her website at leannhartministries.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-H-A-R-T ministries.com. If you'd like to book Leanne, you can do that for your services or event, and you can go to bookings on leannhartministries.com. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with Leanne, you can do that by reaching out on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, as well as leannehartministries.com.